Hi, I'm Garth Tanner. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. HRT has wielded the axe in the biggest mid-season management shake-up in V8 supercar history. And is this man the next to be targeted for the Gold Coast? I just wanted to do, I wanted to cross the line knowing that uh, when I'm unemployed come tomorrow that I did everything that, that I could in the, in the one and only race that I had. It's all coming up today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. This week has seen Walkinshaw Performance undertake its biggest management shake-up since its inception. With the announcement on Friday that Craig Wilson had left the organisation, Ivan Crisman, Director of Walkinshaw Racing, has accepted the role of Managing Director, well, Acting Managing Director of Walkinshaw Racing for the rest of the season. This followed on Monday with the news that Team Manager Rob Crawford was also leaving. Alex Tagliani has been signed by Kelly Racing as the first official international driver for the Gold Coast 600. Tagliani became the pole sitter for the Centennial Indy 500, finishing 28th. But is the 500 winner Dan Weldon going to be the next driver the organisers will hone in on as the two-time 500 champion does not have a full-time gig in the IndyCar series? The fans have been phenomenal, not having, not having a driver and... Feeling the support that I've had has, has been uh, absolutely unbelievable. Lucas Dumbrell has said that he has drawn inspiration from Sam Smith, the former IndyCar driver who became a paraplegic following a testing incident at Walt Disney World Speedway in 2000 and is now the owner of the car that Alex Tagliana sat on the pole with and provided a chassis for Brian Herder Racing that Dan Weldon drove to victory. And, you know, for Sam, you know, to be having success at Indianapolis and, and Frank Williams, you know, um, to have, have been having success in, uh, in Formula One, you know, it gives me uh, inspiration, you know, not only, you know, try and do this as a career, but, you know, try and, um, try and uh, have success in it, you know, try and win races and uh, championships as, you know, that's what everyone wants to do with it. Queensland Raceway has been re-signed in the championship for three more years. The Ipswich track at the heart of this year's flooding in southeast Queensland sees the continuation of the event as an important step in the rebuilding of the region. Paul Morris talked to the V8 Insiders about the Queensland track and its future in the series. Uh, need, need, from a safety point of view, Simmons Plains needs a real good tidy up and, and uh, Queensland Raceway's... You know, it's it's uh, it's a boring track to drive on, but it's not too bad to race on. So, racing is always good there. What about having it under lights? Would that be the uh, thing that makes that event? I don't think so. You know, it gets a bit cold out there in Ipswich in the middle of winter, so 
I don't think it'll make much difference if it happens. <laughs> and for the future of Simmons Plain, it continues to hang in the balance as the Tasmanian government continues its debate on the possibility of North Melbourne playing AFL games in Hobart, which could see the government funding support for the V8s be reallocated towards the AFL. While talking Queensland Raceway, all Queensland-based teams were on track this week preparing for Darwin, with Paul Morris Motorsport giving the former Subaru World Rally driver Chris Atkinson a chance at the wheel of the PMMVE. Yeah, I had a, a great time driving the car. It was something completely different for me. Uh, rallying's obviously a, a different sport, um, even though you're in cars and it's great to uh, get the opportunity finally to get behind the wheel of a V8 supercar and thanks to Paul and the whole team for, for making that happen. And with Darwin on the horizon, V8 supercars have announced that the top 10 shootout will be reinstated. The decision making the event called the Triple Crown that was only going to have two races this year. So Saturday's shootout becomes the third crown. Dick Johnson talked to the V8 Insiders about how his team is rebuilding in 2011. Well, you know, it's obviously been a, uh, a reasonable start for us in a lot of ways with what we had to work with and given um, how last year finished and things like that, um, I think the boys uh, need a real good pat on the back. I think they're doing a great job. Stephen said at the end of last year when things were starting to get resolved that it looked like a huge weight had been lifted off your shoulders. I guess has that continued on into this year or is the, now the burden of the new year starting to set in? No, it's just, it's all about uh, performance and, you know, when the guys get together, they're performing pretty well, so I'm pretty happy. So, And our sympathy goes out to the family of the Winterbottoms, Mark Winterbottoms' mother passing away earlier this week. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders after the break. And another new segment on the show called The Bright Line, which features Jason Bright. Then later, Andrew Clark and Peter Norton will join me. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Jason Bright joins us on a new segment on the V8 Insiders called The Bright Line. And, uh, Brighty, what is it about motor racing that you think captivates so many people when you look at uh, the amount of people turning up at race meetings each and every week, not only the uh, V8 supercars but uh, all sorts of different motorsport events? Well, I think I think what it you know what it does for a lot of race fans is um, you know is different. You know, some people like it for the technical aspect. Some people like it for the racing aspect. Um, you know, the sporting aspect. You know, I think everyone is able to get different things out of it, and uh, yeah, that, that's one of the great things about our sport. You know, one of the reasons why I enjoy it so much is uh, you know there's always new challenges. It's uh, always changing. Um, yeah, so. 
and, and there's a lot of different aspects to it as a sport. So, yeah, I, I feel that everyone is getting different things out of it. You're transitioning back from owning your own team now in your second year with Brad Jones. How's that transition going? Uh, it's gone really well. I mean, you know, we uh, last year was always going to be a, a bit of a building year, and and uh, you know, I felt as though we made the progress that we needed to last year, and this year started off quite well. And um, you know, unfortunately, Adelaide and the Grand Prix didn't really have the pace that I, I felt as though we should have, but we've sort of found a, a problem since then, and really happy with the team, really happy with uh, you know, the progress that we've made and uh, you know, I'm sure that as the year goes on, you know, we're, we're just going to get stronger and stronger. Now of course, with all the debate over the ownership of V8 supercars and uh, pretty sure it's safe to say that you've still got a stake in that game, what do you think about a new player coming in? And uh, At the end of the day you know, I think everyone agrees that um, you know, if the new owner can come in there and, and add to the sport and add to the spectacle and improve the sport, then uh, it's a good thing for everyone. And, um, you know, I, I don't think for a minute that, you know, there's any team owner or SEL or anyone that, you know, would consider having a, a partner in there that, that isn't going to bring some benefit to the sport. So, you know, I think that first and foremost, you know, what we want to do is make sure that, it's going to improve the show. Uh, it's going to, you know, give the series more stability, and um, you know, it's going to increase the exposure that the series can get as a whole. Does it matter that the team owners having as big a slice of the pie? I think, it's, you know, at the end of the day, the, the team owners are, are still very important to the sport. You know, and, and I think there's not a team owner out there that isn't passionate about the sport. Um, you know, and, and but you know, and at the end of the day, if, if I can't imagine anyone would want to buy into V8 supercars and um, not do the right thing by the sport and the team owners. So, you know, it's always going to be a bit of a win-win for everyone. And, um, you know, I'm sure that everyone will grab an oar and just continue to row in the same direction. Mm. Has there been times where you think people have been rowing at each other? I think, you know, every sport goes through those different periods. But, you know, for as long as I've been watching... Yeah, supercars and, and being involved in it, you know, I think as a sport, uh, we've done extremely well. You know, it's grown so much in in uh, you know since 1997 that you know if everyone wasn't rowing in the same direction, I you know, I don't think that the sport could have grown anywhere near as much as what it has. And um, you know, that's because everyone does have a stake in it, and everyone does you know want to see uh, the right things happen. And and uh, that's why the rules are so good. That's why the sport's grown. That's why the television's good. You know, because it's in everyone's best interest. Mm. Well, Jason, we look forward to catching up with you again soon on V8 Insiders. Cheers. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. 
To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from V8X Magazine, it's Andrew Clark. Good Hi, evening. Craig, how are you? And from Inside Motorsport, it's Peter Norton. Good evening, Peter. Good evening, Craig, Andrew, everyone. It's interesting times we've seen, and I thought it was best put by uh, Tim Hodges of Channel 10, in that what we have seen this week is akin to a football club sacking its president and its coach all in the one week. Over at Clayton, it is bye-bye Craig Wilson and Rob Crawford. Pretty impressive, isn't it? Don't say that too often. No, no, you don't. And, um, I mean, uh, the, the brutality of what's gone on, in a sense, is, it's kind of reflective of not just this year, but the last few years at, at HRT. I mean, you know, it's a team that has everything required to win, and it does win, um, but it just doesn't do it consistently. And, you know, I think you'll see from the uh, from the moves that have been made that uh, there's quite a bit of science behind the re- you know, what they've done. There has been a lot of disharmony in that team for more than just this year, though, Peter. It's been there for about four years at least. Yes, uh, well, you could probably go back even uh, uh, further into history. There's always something going on there. Uh, It's a very political little beast, that one. Uh, But you're right, a lot of politics in recent years, and and probably going back to when the the, the toll uh, racing team got you'd have to say decimated where some of the key personnel uh, were pulled from the, you know, what ultimately sort of morphed into Kelly Racing, um, the, the key personnel taken across to the main team because the B team was winning everything. Um, and uh, so, yeah, they'd love to be a fly on the wall in some of the discussions at the moment. Uh, the general public, of course, get the press releases saying, nothing to see here, please move along. Of course. We always have to uh, pick over the entrails, Andrew, and uh, there has been plenty of entrails. And, uh, of course, having written the SCAFE book, most of these people were all players in that uh, end of SCAFE sport and, uh, of course, in the HRT years in his time. Yeah, and certainly, I mean, I've been privy to some interesting conversations on that front, but, uh, you know, some of which can and can't be repeated for legal reasons and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think, you know, one of the more pointed comments in there was when, you know, Mark Scaife in his diplomatic mode, and he was being diplomatic at the time, said he didn't rate Craig Wilson as a motor racing person. Um, that, you know, he was good at certain things, but as a motor racing person, he struggled. Um, and, and, you know, yet he was the bloke in charge of running the team. Um, he didn't have much to say about Rob Crawford, but, uh, you know, you've only got to walk around and, and have a chat to people to find out that, you know, he, he might have been brilliant in many ways and, uh, you know, he ran a tight ship. I mean, you don't win three Bathursts and two championships as a team manager unless you know what you're doing. Um, but ultimately, you can't just keep on annoying your staff. You can't just keep on, you know, pissing people off and expect that they're going to bounce up the next morning and want to keep going. And that was his problem is that he was just a bit gruff. <clears throat> He also did rule with an iron hand. He didn't like the uh, control that Scaife had at the team, it's been reported, and he certainly didn't like the moves that uh, Garth was making when he was getting more and more control there, which prompted a whole bunch of changes last year, which really brought the undoing of the team with Will Davison and Garth Tander both there trying to work forward, but they had a lot of changes that weren't their choice. 
And I'm with Peter. I think that you look at the last few years and you see a lot of instability. You see people being swapped between this team and that team. You know, somebody does well and somebody looks like they're getting on really well with their engineers. So what do you do? You go and split them. You know, it, it's some of the decisions you kind of looked at from the outside and you thought, you know, I just don't understand the logic behind this. I don't understand why you split a successful driver team and team engineer combination. And, and you kind of look at the reasons why and you sit there and you, you count it up and, you know, there's things you can say about why you think it's happened, but uh, if you open your mouth, you're going to get sued. <laughs> Peter, you... Uh, one uh, variable that we haven't touched on here is James Courtney. Um, at the beginning of the year, we all thought that there may be fireworks between Courtney and Tanda, and we're sitting back waiting for it. Um, we have not mentioned, is Courtney a contributing factor to, uh, uh, to this cleaning house? Uh, I don't know. Uh, no, I think my personal view, and, and I say this is purely a personal view, is that um, Tom Walkinshaw's death um, has changed the way things are viewed at the team. And I'm, you know, again, I'm not saying anything about Tom. Um, this is purely about there are different heads now at the top of the stick. The totem pole has a different driver. And uh, what you'll find is that, you know, Craig Wilson was a good mate of Tom's. Um, and, you know, he would have been working very much for Tom, um, you know, with Tom, etc. Um, but Tom's not there anymore, you know, so the old guard has to change. And ultimately, you know, you're going to sit there and say, you know, what do we have to do to change this thing? Um, there's another team in pit lane that needs to do a very similar thing. Um, you know, we've got as much money coming in the door as this HRT team, um, yet even less success. Um, and uh, ultimately, you know, one day the, the bloke who owns that is going to sit back and start swinging his axe too. And uh, I wouldn't hasten to guess that they might have uh, factory backing as well there, Andrew. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's certainly a fair amount of uh, blue money going into that team, I would have suggested. Yes. It is an interesting thing that it, on the national sports media front, it has got little to a ripple in uh, news headlines, sports headlines. And yet, when you put it into the amount of money each team operates and into the football parlance like uh, I did at the beginning, it is the equivalent of a huge shake-up at a football club and we are talking about, Peter, money of an equivalent spend that these guys are operating. I think that's just the, uh, the product of the general media being in love with football and they, they live and breathe it and they want something to report every day. And uh, for general media, motorsport's uh, a little bit of a filler, uh, whereas, uh, you yeah, people like ourselves that uh, share the love uh, of the sport you know, you know we live and breathe this part so it is important to us mm. i think, I think the reality is though and, and this is something that people who are close to motorsport you know like i've been doing this motorsport for 25 years and i also do a bit of aussie rules and things as well one thing i can guarantee you and, I, and I'll, I'll lay this on the table just in case anybody has any misunderstanding in terms of the amount of people who want to sit down and watch a football match on a Sunday compared to those who want to sit down and watch a car race, they're not in the same league at all. Um, and that's the thing, and this is one of the things that V8 Supercars really needs to sit down and look at and say, why is it that you know, we've been successful? You know, we, we run these great motor races. Our crowd base is solid and it's, it hasn't really changed that much, yet our TV ratings are slipping. Um, why is this all happening? What are we doing wrong with our spectacle? 
Um, and then when you look back and say, well, why aren't we getting the back page of the papers unless somebody crashes or it's Bathurst? The thing is that like, it just doesn't have the sex appeal that football has. It doesn't, and that doesn't matter what code it is, whether you're in New South Wales and Queensland and you think rugby league's a sport um, or whether it's Aussie rules, you know, that just doesn't have the same appeal in that sense. And I reckon, this is my, my own personal view, and no one has ever listened to me before, so I don't know why I say it, but I reckon you've got to shift car racing out of the football season. Oh, I agree entirely. Peter? Oh, I'm with you there, Clarky and Craig. Craig has often shared his, his vision to me about it being essentially a summer series. Uh, yeah. You avoid the, the crappy weather and you avoid the uh, the blanket coverage of football. And yeah, you... I'd start at Bathurst and finish at Clipsal. Yep, that'd um... be my that'd be my plan. And you know, it allows you to get your Middle East races in and your other things in other places. And you know, it's pretty easy to avoid the uh, the, the rain and all sorts of things around the place. And you know, and this is one of the things. And you know, like, and I'm a person who had my own money in this game. You know, when I was doing the V8 Supercar Yearbook and Bathurst books and things, it was my money that was doing this thing. Um, and I can assure you now that you know, the amount of people buying books in car racing today compared to six years ago, it's about 30%. Mm. And that's how much the interest has dropped off at the top end because you go to a motor race, and I was up at Winton the other day, and somebody said it was $62 to get through the gate. I can take my entire family to an AFL match for the entire day. I can feed them and water them for less than that. Gas and Go is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. It's time for Gas and Go. Gas and Go, five questions in three minutes. Can it be done? I'm not sure. Starting with Andrew Clark. Lowndes hits a pothole on his road to Le Mans. He's not going to qualify for the Nürburgring 24-hour, which was one of the important steps along the way. Yeah, I wouldn't say a pothole. I think he hit a golf hole, really, didn't he? It's uh, yeah, one of those things. I think you've got closing speeds of over 100 kilometres per hour when you're in a GT3 car compared to a virtual bog-standard golf. Yeah, a bit of a pothole, a bit of a bump in the road, but... Uh, you know, Lowndes will be around for a while. He'll do it yet. And, uh, you know, once he gets to Le Mans, he'll, uh, he'll do a great job. Good driver. What remains to be seen is whether the Audi corporate support is going to drop off. Uh, over the years, in all classes of motor racing, you've seen some really talented drivers. But as soon as they've scratched the car, they're uh, persona non grata and they don't get the invite back. Uh, let's hope that doesn't happen here. Mm, Peter, supercar shootout, reality TV for V8. I thought sport was reality TV at its purest form. Uh, I, I guess the, uh, the opportunity there for the reality TV is to uh, go warts and all on what's happening uh, behind the scenes. Um, you know, well, I mentioned being a fly on the wall at HRT. You know, that, that could show some uh, you know, fairly interesting stuff. Well, I think you know we've seen all of these kind of crap before, and uh, you know personally, I think it'll be pretty ordinary TV. But uh, um, if we can all remember back, and I'm old enough to remember this, you know, I think Alan Grice started this kind of game, you know, 20 years ago, and. Uh, yeah, motorsport's different. You can't. I can't see how it's going to really succeed. In a sense, I mean, yeah, just strange thing. Well, Clark, it works great, Clarky. Uh, how hard should V8 supercars go to get the day the Indy 500 winner Dan Weldon to the Gold Coast for their international event? Considering uh-huh. this was the only drive he had this year. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to go hard on anybody who's got any kind of name at the end of the day, but. Uh, you know, is anyone more important than the other? I mean, at the end of the day, go out and walk in the street and ask anybody if they know who Dan Weldon is. 
Um, it, it appeals to motor racing fans and that's it. Perhaps what they need to do is um, have a look at their timing of the weekend and things and they need to be able to get some Formula 1 drivers in and then they'll expand the appeal base of V8 supercars. wonder how much they'd get if they got Danica there, Peter. Uh, that's probably got broader appeal or, or, or public recognition. Um, and I, I guess the, uh, the, the poor old guy who uh, came second, uh, failing on the, uh, the final turn, um, that's a name that everyone will know this week but uh, then he'll be forgotten. Mm. J.R. Hildebrand made 799 very good left-hand turns. Yep. You're going to get paid after the, the final one, though. New Zealand V8 Super Tourers. Seven-litre V8. Isn't it a specialist chassis, a brand-new car being launched? Is this car of the future on steroids? It sounds that way, doesn't it? Um, seven litres sounds impressive, but are they going to detune it and put rev limiters on it and try to uh, you know, standardise it to chase parity? Yeah, maybe it's steroids, but then constrained. Oh, I think it looks like they're all from a single manufacturer, so I think in terms of parity, that's pretty much under control to start with. Uh, um, my only interesting um, thoughts on that today was uh, I was out... Uh, at a drive day with uh, GT3 Corvette, which uses a similar kind of engine and runs a similar kind of weight and all of those kind of things. And, uh, yeah, very impressive way to go motor racing, these things. So I think the yeah, Super Tourer, V8 Super Tourers from New Zealand sound like a great jigger. Mm. Now, Clarkie, will V8 Supercars dump Tassie? They can't seem to get off the Queensland Raceway juice. Can they afford to get off the Tassie bandwagon? Yeah, I think you'll find the map of Tasmania is going to disappear from Australia and... Uh, bit uh, a few lines I've got waiting here but I can't remember how many kids listen to this radio show but uh, yeah I think Tassie's gone and uh, you know I can't believe that you know, you're sacrificing Tasmania to keep Queensland Raceway and interesting it just means it looks like the uh, Commonwealth Games map of Australia from uh, the 80s there Peter with no Tassie on it Yes, that upset a few people, and I'm sure that uh, dumping uh, Simmons Plains round would upset plenty of people as well. Um, let's keep in mind that uh, people in Tasmania, I think, also got a delayed telecast from Winton, uh, all sorts of things. Um, it's a small market. Bad supercars are sort of saying they don't want to go there. Um, otherwise, they're playing their normal sort of uh, uh, horse trading and, and politicking, trying to make sure that there's a... Uh, you know, public uproar to make sure the government opens the checkbook. Mm. To put it in perspective, I was in Hobart last year at the second last race of the Formula One championship and they didn't have it on TV there either. So <laughs> motorsport fans aren't catered for on the Apple aisle. That's Gas and Go for another week here on the V8 Insiders. Gas and Go is brought to you by the V8X magazine. Log on to the official V8X magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. We'll be back with plenty more. Don't forget to check out the V8 Insiders website. That's www.v8insiders.com.au for this week's fan poll question. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. 
Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Andrew Clark from V8X Magazine and Peter Norton from Inside Motorsport. Join me, Craig Ravel, as we continue on with some of the other stories. You mentioned it in the uh, Gas and Go there, Clarky. Well, Queensland Raceway extended for three years. I um, Don't start me on Queensland Raceway. No, I have. (laughs) It's the one place in the world I just hate going to. You know, you could send me to the bloody minefields of Cambodia and I reckon I'd be happier. Um, it's a dump. It's a bad layout, the track. It's got, you know, boring, bad facilities. It's, uh, you know, still in the dark ages. Like, uh, how could you build a modern motor racing track and still have garages where you have to wheel your car into pit lane? You know, a couple of years ago, someone got grumpy and smashed Steve Johnson's windscreen, you know? It's... um. To say that, you know, we're not going to go to place X because of its facilities, and remember they were threatening and dropped Winton for a little while, yet Winton's facilities are light years ahead of Queensland Raceway. And I just don't understand it. I I simply don't understand why we have to put up with substandard facilities from a place like that. Paul Morris said to me last week, Peter, he said, look, I hate driving around Queensland Raceway. It's boring as all batshit, but it actually has got good racing, and it's fun to race there not so much drive around it or practice there? Um, I I tend to agree that uh, it has produced some, and underlined some, uh, interesting races over the years. Um, It it is a tricky one because, you know, what other permanent facility do they have up there? Um, You know, they don't, uh, they aren't spoiled for a whole lot of choice. The, the, The real dilemma is how do they get someone to invest the money to have something that is uh, of a suitable standard and uh, you know it's big money to be spent and I think also what's playing on things here is that uh, compared to Tasmania they do have a lot of motor racing fans Uh, when it was being canned previously there was the local uproar the local mayor quite successfully raised the profile of the the risk of losing the event Um, the local lobbying has been reasonably effective Uh, so it's probably a tricky one for them to drop but I, I agree with Clarkie. It doesn't really deserve to be on the calendar based on the facilities that uh, that are there. You see, the problem is that people get up in arms and they go in there and the, the mayor of Oopswich dips into his pocket and a couple of other people dip into their pockets. But none of the money's gone to actually make the facility better for the fans. You know, and I think you cannot just keep on treating your fans with the contempt that that raceway does. You know, it's it's a nightmare to get in and out of. You know, if you want to get to the airport, you have to allow yourself nearly three hours on a Sunday night to get to the airport. Um, so, you know, it's a one-lane goat track in and out. You know, the toilet facilities are awful. The um, the, um, the the inability to get, you know, food, decent food. Um, you know, bacon and egg rolls are done by 9am on a Sunday morning. It's just not there, you know. And I think it's OK for people to get upset, but have a look at why it's not happening. Have a look at the reasons things that are going wrong that we need to change, and that is that we need to make sure that the fans have facilities it's quite simple russell ingle said to me about five years ago now that the two race format with longer races is going to be as boring as batshit and you know this is a backward step he thought three race format was about right or certainly sprint race format was about right we saw the three race format back at perth did that change anyone's mind peter um Perth was some uh, some great racing. Uh, the qualifying format, where your two best laps during qualifying, um, that was just pointlessly confusing. Um, I, I don't think that really adds 
anything to it at all. Um, I think it's a, a dilemma that's really based on the, the track-by-track considerations. Uh, they're looking for a way to spice up Queensland Raceway. We've just said it's a boring layout, um, so they're looking for something to uh, make a difference. But I also recall that we went to the uh, two longer races um, and it was partly to standardise things, make it a bit more consistent, less confusing on the fans. Um, they're, they're sort of having an each-way bet here, aren't they? And I don't think it's uh, you know, really building the championship as a whole. It's a, uh, almost a panic measure to make Queensland Raceway a bit better. Well, you see, I think I look at it, and I think you know, like the idea of going to the two race format was had merit because what they said was that it is confusing to have this three race thing. We've got no real big news that we can sell on a Saturday night to the to the newspapers for the Sunday. Um, so let's go and let's get rid of the round concept, and we'll do a you know one day, one day. So you know one qualify race in the one day, and therefore we've got a nice contained package that we can sell to the media outlets. And that was all great in concept, but then they went and started mucking around with it. And, and, you know, like three races in Perth, like, I still don't know statistically what the relevance of it is. You know, do we do we really have three race winners there and only two race winners at Clipsal, for instance? So, you know, winning a race in Perth statistically has the same merit as winning the Clipsal, one of the rounds at Clipsal. And it's just strange. I, I don't understand why people who, who are involved in the sport can come up with decisions that create this kind of confusion consistently if they want shorter races great let's go for it let's have two short races in, in saturday and two short races on sunday um but let's stop mucking around and let's you know come up with a consistent format when was the last time they decided formula one races were boring so let's go and run a race on a shorter race on a saturday and a longer race on a sunday and we'll have a qualifying here that does that and a qualifying there that does that they don't do that they sat down and said our sport is going nowhere fast what do we do they brought in curves they brought in a movable wing and all of a sudden formula one is alive Mm. It's an interesting one. Of course, the shootout returns to Darwin after being dumped, and that's another change that, you know, sometimes you just sit there and go, all right, we're about to have this, and you go, oh, wait a minute, that change last, you know, I'm sitting here watching, this is the practice session, this is the qualifying session, and that's got to be as confusing. I remember when I was sitting in the uh, grandstand at the first Indy Formula One Grand Prix, and the fans there were going, they're supposed to be qualifying now, and I turned to someone and said, they are. But there's all the cars on the track because they're used to, you know, at Indy, a four-lap average speed qualifying session. NASCAR, two quick laps or two laps give you your qualifying spot. We seem to be confusing not only the qualifying but also the racing now. But I want to talk to you about qualifying first. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I quite like that the, the first, you know, fastest two laps deciding the two the two race things, except I don't think Channel 7 handled it very well for those who are watching on TV. Um, you know, I thought it was an interesting concept and it was worth a crack. It made it interesting. Ultimately, you didn't see much change in the two grids. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, I, I don't mind people experimenting. I don't mind people looking at what's going to work and what's not going to work. What I don't like is the fact that, you know, we're, we're halfway through, the, or not halfway through the season, we're partway through the season, and things are getting changed on the run. Uh, and, you know, like, this is supposed to be a serious sport. I mean, somebody's supposed to have just spent a couple of hundred million buying, you know, 60% stake in the thing, yet it feels like it's being run by people who, are, who have got, you know, 10 panic buttons sitting in front of them and which one am I going to bang next? Um, and I think, you know, we need some stability. We need to start sitting back and having a good look and saying, you know, what are we going to do? You know, car of the future's coming. Um, what's, what are the measures inside car of the future to make better motor racing? 
um, you know, I know there's some great safety features and all of that kind of stuff in there, but what's actually going to enhance the racing spectacle rather than saying, well, let's just change a format because I've got no idea what to do. Peter? One of the things I found interesting for the, the justification of having three races at Queensland Raceway is that the most exciting part of, the, uh, of any race is the start and the finish. So let's just have more of those. And I'm sure Carl Reinler and uh, Steve Owen go, yes, yeah, more starts are great. I would say yeah, then go to your local... been a feature of motor racing. I mean, they are exciting, but um, if you ultimately, just... I mean, I think that you, know, you, you need to do other things. Like, I, I watch motor racing and I love the starts, but I still want to see people overtaking and passing on the track, and I don't see a lot of that um, when you look at it. I mean, I've just done an article which will come out in the next V8X, which you can you know, read about the third race in Perth. You know, there were 10 overtaking moves in the top 10 for the entire race. Um, you know, and that's just not good enough. Mm. Whereas I, I think the, the silver bullet, which they've partly found, is the, the softer tyres. Um, the, the race at Winton, uh, it was fabulous stuff. Um, mm. you know, with a shorter race, will you have someone like Jason Bright being able to uh, pull off a strategy like that? Who knows? Yeah. The mm. one basic thing in motor racing that you've got to understand is if you want to see overtaking, you have to have cars that can travel at different speeds at different times. Yep. And so you want to go into corners, I've got more grip now because I stopped five laps after you. Or, you know, I've got an extra piece of, you know, an extra 500 revs to blast me down the straight or I've got a DRS or I can change my wing settings and blah, 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 blah. You know, you've got to provide an, an aspect for, for variability in there and that's when you get great racing. And, you know, I love it when somebody's done a late stop and they got soft, you know, soft tyres on the car and they got grip. And you watch them, they just start firing past people. And that's, you know, that's when you see the great racing. You know, you watch Van Gisbergen when, he, when he's done one of his late stops. Or, you know, Jason Bright, you know, he's a classic at it as well. And I reckon that's great motor racing. I love that. Mm, well, I guess for the fans that want to just watch starts and finishes, they've got that already. It's called drag racing. Andrew Clark and Peter Norton, pleasure to have you back on the show. Not a worry. Yeah, always fun. White Flag Lap is up next. This is the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lab, we look at Russell Ingalls' criticism of many of the drivers in not having established a driver's association already. A lot of the personalities, faces, drivers, hair, are a lot to do with this category. And uh, you look at someone like AFL that just renegotiated their uh, uh, TV rights deal and they're all getting a cut of the action. Um, it's a shame the drivers didn't get some sort of uh, exposure to that, but... It, it does surprise me, and, and then again, it doesn't surprise me. But um, again, I think it's more so the drivers. Uh, this should actually be a clear pointer to the drivers that we do need some sort of association going forward. And uh, so um, this doesn't happen. We spoke with his team owner, Paul Morris, about what drivers would achieve from banding together. Well, I don't know what they, they'd approve or what they do, but at the end of the day... Um they tried to do that a few years ago and only half the guys stuck their money where their mouth is so when you haven't got unity you're not going to get anything and they're all doing all right they've got no risk i don't see what what their problem is but 
everyone's got their own opinion and the drivers are never going to be united. But Tim Slade was not as quick to offer his backing. Putting me on the spot, I'd, I wouldn't even know. Yeah, what's but, involved yeah, in it or yeah, anything no, else? So uh, yeah, but that's gotta, why I wouldn't say yeah or no. Yeah, it is good because that's the problem we had last time. Is we only had like sixty percent, and then there was team owners said to their drivers, "No, you can't join. We won't allow you to do it," and all this sort of crap. Jason Bargwana was not so quick to show his support. Things along the lines of safety, I, I think you wouldn't have a problem. You would have a uniform. You'd have a hundred percent. You'd have total commitment. From everyone, uh, particularly when these issues are raised, and, and I don't think if, if the association was about safety, I don't think we'd have a problem. To get involved in uh, drivers' wages and, and those sorts of areas, it, it's, it's a completely different thing to other sports because it's a real one-on-one with the team owners. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some drivers here that don't even get paid to drive. They bring sponsors to the table, um, which then really it, 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 it's impossible to be able to monitor and manage that and make it all work. So... Um, you know, I think if it was all just about safety and track inspections, and and we've done it all before. We've written emails, we've put emails up before, but you know, on the odd occasion they've been listened to, on the odd occasion they haven't. We actually had a, we we had a fighting fund and everything, um, by the way, which we had um, the drivers all paid a thousand dollars each initially because we, and we had a constitution. Everything was also like it, it was actually set up there in the end because no one would commit to it. We ended up donating all that money to, to Jason Richards actually just recently. So we took all that money out. Well, it's it been sitting there for years in her account. So we actually donated all that, which I think was about sixteen thousand dollars to to Jason Richards. So. Um, the lot went to him, which was which was great. At least it went to a good cause. Saying that, though, it should have been used for what it was originally meant for, is to actually get an association up and running. But just the lack of enthusiasm was was just uh, pretty average. Checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. My thanks there to Andrew Clark and Peter Nort. Till the next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.